0: Ready for God's word today? Starting a new series I'm excited about. Let's pray. Let's get started. Father, thank you for this great opportunity we have to open up this amazing book called The Bible. We're so grateful for uh, this opportunity. We believe you're going to answer questions. We believe our life is going to be better. You're going to give us solutions. We believe, Father God, that, that, that our hearts are good ground today. We've praised you. We worshiped you. And now, Father God, those of us in the room and watching us online, our hearts are now open to receive the Word of God that I believe will produce much fruit in our lives. Thank you, Father God, for the truth that will help us, make us better, for your honor and for your glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Welcome to part one of our six-part series entitled, One Month to Live. I was telling my wife uh, before service today that I, I can't remember a time where I have felt the heaviness of the responsibility of this series, anytime I stand up here on the platform in front of you, I take very serious my role and the part that I play in the service as we are a big team here at IFC, absolutely take it very serious. But I, I have this heavy sense of responsibility about this series. I really do. I really do believe that it's destiny altering for some of you. I really believe it's going to save some of your lives. I really believe it's going to increase the quality of many of your lives. I believe it's going to come to your rescue at just the right time. From what I heard from the first and second service, people coming through line, tears streaming down their face, thanking me for the message that they heard, that they felt like it really transformed the trajectory of where they were headed and felt like God supernaturally helped them get on a different track that was more healthy. Let me tell you something, that's worth all of it. So I'm believing that with you today, so believe with me today in this series as we start just introduction to this amazing message today. Um, We are all out of our books, One Month to Live, something a little different that we're doing uh, to read a book together so you can get online and order it on Amazon or get your audio version or your e-version, whatever it might be. Join us, please. I believe it's a, a great book that you want to read. It's one of those books you'll keep in your library. Um, and you'll take reference, you'll make reference to it. Or it's one of those books you'll, you'll b- let others borrow because it's just one of those kind of books that really will impact your life. So in this series, we're going to challenge you as if you only have 30 days to live. So if you knew you only had 30 days to live, what would be different? What would change? How would you talk? Who would you talk to? What about your life would not be the same. John 10:10 10, 10 in the New Living Bible says that the thief's purpose is to still kill and destroy. Jesus said, "My purpose, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life." A rich and satisfying life. The amplified version says, "I've come to give life and for you to enjoy that life." It's one thing to know that Jesus has come to give you life, But it's no guarantee you're going to enjoy that life, right? Enjoying that life is your choice. Jesus made a choice to die and raise again so he could have and present life to you. But it's going to be your choice whether it's rich and satisfying, whether it's something you're enjoying. Because just because your heart is beating this morning doesn't mean you're alive. Doesn't mean you're alive. I'm grateful for the fact that you look as beautiful and as handsome as you do, and it's obvious your heart is beating today, but I've met way too many people who are alive, but they're the walking dead. They're zombies. Oh, they don't have all the makeup on and the bloodshot eyes and, you know, walking all weird. Um, but, But if you could see them in the realm of the spirit, they're zombies. They are walking dead people they are just barely eking out an existence. And that's not God's plan for you. Especially as a believer, that is not God's plan for you to just not live out your life and to be the walking dead. It's just time to wake up. It's time to enjoy life. It's time to make certain decisions that set you up for this real and satisfying life. This is a very important point. If you lived... The next 30 days, as if it was the last 30 days, you would really live like you've never lived before. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 is a great verse of scripture that helps us understand this. I have set before you life and death, the Lord says, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. It's your choice if you want life. You could, you could choose death. You could choose curses. But he is telling us, it's like the exam that you have the answers ahead of time, he's giving you the right answer. Choose life. Now, if you're not careful, this series will cause some of you to think more about dying than living. We have a tendency as human beings to go the negative route, especially if you're a half glass, half full glass kind of mentality, you're kind of negative, kind of on the dark side of life, and you kind of tend to go the dark side, you're going to look at this as thinking maybe this might be a series that might be kind of morbid or, or, or kind of dark, and it's about death, and this series is not about dying or death. This series is about living and life, and i remind you each week to make sure you step over on the life side. You step over here on the living side. You step over over here and focus, and not allow yourself to go to death side. Especially if your this last season of your life has been very difficult, has been hard, has been dissatisfying, has been overwhelming. Um, you wonder what's up from down, and you're in one of those crazy, confusing, disappointing, um, kind of hard to chart, navigate life because it seems so dark and ominous you have a tendency to go on the side of death and dying. But this is not a series like that, I promise you. This is all about living, but living at a higher standard. Living at a place where you have never lived before. Amen. So today, I want to talk to you about living the dash. Living the dash. Here's our big takeaway. Here's the one main point we're going to emphasize that I want you to go home with today. Embracing our time here on earth. As a limited resource will help us be more authentic about who we are and more deliberate about how we spent our time. Nobody likes the word "limited resource" when it is attached to your life. right? We all want to live a long life, and that's God's promise to live a long and satisfying life, to satisfy you with long life. But even at that, it's still a limited resource. And you got to see it as that. I know we don't like subjects like this. We don't like subjects that we talk about our own mortality, uh, our our lifespan here on earth. But we have to talk about it because it really does affect the way we live the life that we have. We're believing with you that you will have long life, that you will live at a ripe old age and enjoy all that God has for you. But you've got to understand it is a limited resource. And when you do, it makes you much more authentic. And when you do, it makes you much more deliberate about how you will live your life. Over my 42 years of ministry, you can imagine how many cemeteries I've been in. Not because I like hanging out at cemeteries. Because I've had to be in cemeteries as we have buried some amazing people throughout the 42 years of working here in church work. You can imagine all the various places I've been. I've seen every size and dimension of tombstones, and I can't help but notice, like you, when you go to the cemetery, looking at these tombstones, you can't help but noticing the dates on the tombstone. You can't but notice there's a beginning date, a date of when this person was born and when this person died. This happened to be Billy Graham's dates. He just recently passed away. Here he was born, his first date, the second date is when he died. All of our dates are different, but every one of us have a dash. Every one of us have a dash. My dates are different than your dates. I don't know when my last date will be. I'm believing like you for a long and healthy, strong life. But every one of us have a dash. The dash is your story. The dash is your life. The dash is how you lived your life. The dash is how you spent your money. The dash is your family. The dash is the choices. The dash is who you forgave and who forgave you. The dash is how you spent your time. It's your story. It's you, whether you like it or not, whether you're proud of it or not, whether up at this point in time or not you're fulfilled and you're happy about your dash or you're not so happy about your dash. Your dash is very important. A lot of things in life we have no control over. You don't. We can't control what family we're born into, who our parents are, our ethnicity, the season of history that we were born in. There's a lot of things that are way beyond our control. We have no control over. But we do have amazing amount of control over our dash, making our dash the most important, valuable thing you have in your life. Only you can be intentional about your dash. Yes, we can influence each other to live our dash intentionally and in a healthy way, but the bottom line is the only person that has total control over their dash is you. It's your choice. Your dash is extremely important. If you're not happy about your dash or whatever it presents, it can change from this day forward. If you're very happy about your dash, man, you're setting yourself up for even greater fruit that's yet to come. There might be certain parts you're happy with, certain parts you're not happy with at all. Certain parts that you are working really well and certain parts that, man, it's just you can't get it off the ground, so to speak. It's always getting tripped up in a certain area of your life. See, you need to understand that this dash of yours is extremely important. Psalm 90 verse 12 says this about your dash. The psalmist says, teach us to number our days. Or value our dash. And recognize how few they are. There's that limited resource again. Help us spend them as we should. Number our days means value them. Take notice of them. Pay attention. Stand up. Look. Don't ignore. Listen. Number your days. See, the next 30 days are going to pass by whether you like it or not. Let's do something about them. Let's value them. Let's take notice of them. Let's number them. Let's allow the Lord to teach us something valuable over these next 30 days that will impact the next 30 years. Amen. And that's the kind of series this is. That's the kind of information you're about to hear. Amen. The truth is the next 30 days are going to fly by anyhow, so let's take notice. Let's value them. And God wants you to realize that your, your, your time here on earth is a limited resource, so we need to spend it wisely. And he gives us a choice how we spend the most valuable commodity and currency that we have, time. Time is much more valuable than money. As valuable as you think your money is, and rightly so, it is valuable, but it's not near as valuable as how you spend your time. James 4.14 says, why? Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Some people read that and say, well, what's the use then? Or some people say, well, because it is, I'm going to live it to my best. It all depends on how you look at life. I read that and I don't I don't get discouraged by that. I think, well, the time I have, let's spend it wisely. Let's make it count. Let's make a difference, right? Let's let people know that Jonathan Del Turco lived on this earth, and and that you lived, and somebody else lived, and we made a difference while we were here. So embracing our time on earth as a limited resource is incredibly liberating, and if we would, we would be more authentic, and we would be much more deliberate. What keeps us from living that way now? There are four immediate decisions I want you to consider today. As we begin this series, four immediate decisions that I will expand upon through the next five weeks, we'll talk more about, but five decisions, you can, four decisions you can immediately do so that you can set yourself up for the life that we're talking about. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Decision number one, embrace relationships. Embrace relationships. Ephesians 4.29 says, do not use harmful words only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed. I have personally had the privilege of being in the room when some amazing people went home to be with Jesus. It's a remarkable experience. If you've never been in a room when somebody who knew the Lord left, it's hard to explain when the hair in the back of your neck stands up because eternity entered the room. Eternity and earth came together and angels you just knew were in the room escorting this amazing follower of Christ to heaven. It's an experience like no other. I've been in the room when there were hours left or actually there. Had the privilege of being there with my father-in-law as he passed and went from earth to heaven. I, just him and I together we were worshiping God together and, and he left. them. And, and the, the, the enormity of that moment, it's just hard to put in English words. I was in a room when individuals came to say their goodbyes. Something about when individuals know they have a very limited time left. You know what happens? Clarity comes to them. Clarity like I have never seen before. Clarity comes to them. In that time, they don't want to be alone. They want to be with friends, loved ones, relatives, people that care about them and they care about. They have such clarity about now what's important. The things that used to be so important, now for some reason... They have no value. Things that we thought were so important that we would make a stand and state our opinion and fight our fight. Now it meant absolutely nothing. I've never had one person come to me and say, pastor, wait a minute. I need somebody to, to go home and get that gold watch that I worked 50, 50 years for. I never had anybody say to me, pastor, i, I I want to look at that. I want to hold that trophy one more time. That trophy of that championship game, I I need to hold it one more time. Pastor, I need to finish that book. Pastor, I need to reprogram my hard drive. I mean, right? I mean, there are certain things that might be important at one point in time, and there's no value to them. They didn't care about any of those earthly things. They wanted to love people, they wanted to forgive and be forgiven. They wanted words to be said that mattered in the room when sons would finally make it right with a father that's dying. Siblings would finally get it together and, 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 and dozens and dozens of holidays that were missed because of something that was just so important that they had to stay away from each other in anger suddenly was no big deal. I've been in the office with people that had a very bad report of cancer and maybe weeks to live or months to live. Suddenly, what they thought was important, where they drew the line that said, I'm done with you, suddenly everything begins to change because such clarity comes when you realize this limited resource, this gift that God gave me is about to end. Think about this this morning. Who in your life needs to hear you say, I love you? Who in your life needs to hear you say, I forgive you? Who do you need to say to someone else, please forgive me? I value you. I love you. I need you. I was wrong. I'm stubborn. I've been too prideful. I, I, I messed up. This is, I need you. In my life. Why do we have to wait for a disaster? Why do we have to wait for the cancer report? Why do we have to wait for the sudden departure of someone we never expected? Healthy one day and they're gone the next. Why do we have to wait for that to happen to suddenly realize what was important in life? Why wait? Make the list now and be about it. Be about it. Be about it. Hear me now. Be about it. You don't want to live your life with that kind of regret, with that kind of heavy weight upon your shoulders because you were too proud or because you didn't know how to say what needed to be said. Amen. Why wait? Live this way every day. Let's decide to embrace relationships while we're healthy and while we're strong. This is number two. Let go of offenses. Let go of offenses. Listen, there are way too many battles to fight. There's always some kind of battle to fight. There's always something in the economy or, or in our neighborhoods or in the news or something, someone being treated unfair. There's always something around us, something in our families. And there are some people that just thrive in contentious environments. That's how you were brought up. You're fighting all the time. You fight about what color that really is. It's red. No, it's not a real red. It's an orange red. Or it's a rust red. Or when somebody's birthday is. Your birthday's not Thursday. Your birthday's Friday. Hey, I know my birthday. (laughs) Right? There's always something we're contending about. We're always something. we got to pick our battles. We do a better job of which one's just to let go. It's not important. You're a, put a pin in your opinion, right? It's not that important so that you build up all these anxieties and stress and all these agitations and we live our lives in such a contentious environment. Even when you have forgiven everybody in your past, there will be plenty more for you to forgive in the future. It never ends. Perfection doesn't happen until we get to heaven, but until that time, there's going to be plenty of opportunities to be offended, plenty of invitations to be hurt, plenty of invitations to, to be blown out of the water. Are you kidding me? It's going to happen on a regular basis. Now that's the main point that Jesus was trying to get across to Peter in Matthew 18. He was trying to help Peter because Peter was having an issue, most likely, with one of his own disciples, one of his own teammates, a family member. He's having issues and he's going to Jesus saying, I don't know what to do about this. And he says this in Matthew 18:21. Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. You can see Peter with his chest all puffed out. Aren't I magnanimous? Aren't I amazing? I'm going to forgive somebody seven times. You got to think, you're impressed, right, Jesus? Aren't I something else? Right? Hallelujah You got to know that he's impressed with himself. He's full of himself. Seven times, right? Seven times, right? And Jesus says what to him back in verse 22? No, not seven times. Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Well, you got to know that kind of messed up his world, right? 70 times seven. Please understand that 70 times seven in God's math is not 490 times. It's unlimited is the point. And we're not talking about 490 different kinds of offenses. We're talking about somebody doing it the same thing all day long, every day. Amen. That's the point. That's a pretty high standard. That, like, woo! That's like overwhelming to us. But healthy Christians, the point is, healthy believers, healthy Christians are the ones who forgive and forgive often. Forgive and forgive quickly. We don't wait around. We don't wait around. Why? Because when you don't forgive somebody else, Jesus said, I can't forgive you. Why wait an hour? Why wait a night? Why wait till the morning? Why wait another day? Why wait another week? Why wait a month, a year, 10 years? Why wait decades? Why wait for a deathbed experience? Why wait to a sudden tragedy to take place? The point is, we can't afford to live not forgiving unless you're going to be St. Teresa right or or some amazing person that's beyond who you are which none of us can do we need to recognize this is god's plan how many relationships were meant to be more meaningful fulfilling and go deeper and more long term that failed because we were too proud to ask for forgiveness we were too proud to say i'm sorry we were too proud to say, well, you forgive me. I, I was a stubborn mule. I, I, I shouldn't have said what I said, and I'm, I regret saying that. I am so sorry that I allowed this to get to this level, and now the family is involved. And now people are taking sides. I've heard every story you can imagine and have suffered alongside of others who have allowed these things to overwhelm them. Good people, people that should have probably been your best friends because we were so proud. We couldn't let go of that offense. And relationship is destroyed this day. You see them at Stop and Shop and you run the other way. You sneak down the produce department hoping they don't cut you off at the dairy side, right? I've been in supermarkets and I've I've seen people who have left here not so good terms. They see me and man, they duck as fast as they can in the middle of a supermarket. They're hiding behind the bread aisle. And I'm ornery enough to cut them off at of the dairy section. Hey! hey, how are you? Long time no see. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Ephesians 4.2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's other's faults because of your love. In other words, we have to allow people to be less than perfect. That's hard to do. We want people to look at us as less than perfect, give us some second chances, but we don't want to necessarily give it to you. Right? How true that is. What would it be like if God picked on every little one of our faults throughout the day? How would that feel? Man, we wouldn't like that, would we? Man, it would be heartbreaking. It would be overwhelming. Aren't you glad God gives us allowances? You got to know he does. Oh, I know he's always on us to improve and to grow and fix that, change that, quit being such a big mouth and quit being so sensitive. And I know he's working on all of us, but you got to know he gives us plenty of allowances throughout the day. Amen. And we need to learn how to do the same thing. You live with imperfect people. You are imperfect. No one's ever told you that. Quit being a legend in your own mind. We are all imperfect. I'm imperfect. You're imperfect. And we've got to give people allowances. What offenses are you holding on to today? Is there a roadblock between you and someone else that just now needs to be cleared up? It's already, it's done now. You've proven your point, whatever that point was to be. It's done. Let's clear it up. Let's fix it. Amen. Let's let's take the high road. Let's be the believers that we say we are. Amen. You know why? My health is too important. My family's health is too important. My job, my career, my ministry, that new business. Amen. There's too much at stake. And here we are living our lives in unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. And we're believing God to prosper us. We're believing God to fix certain things. We're believing God for favor. We want to raise. And you have all these issues in your life and you wonder why it's not coming. Just trying to keep it real this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you knew you only had one month to live, man, we would live differently. We'd have such clarity. We, we, We would major on the majors instead of majoring on so many minors. Decision number three confront indifference. I have never seen more. It's a symptom of our day. I have never seen more people who just don't care. They just don't care. They really don't. They don't care about you. They don't care about your property. They don't care about your feelings. And then you get personal and family and family members, husbands and wives and children. They just don't care about each other anymore. I've had husbands tell me to my face, Pastor, I don't care if my wife and children go to hell. I know it's extreme. But it speaks of what's going on inside of their hearts. Indifference. You can't make a difference when you're full of indifference. Think about this today. Here's what the word indifference means. Let's get on the same page. Indifference means that which is looked upon as not mattering one way or another, that which is regarded as being of no significance, importance, or value. And the word you hear the most from people who don't care is whatever. If that's a word you use a lot, stop it. Stop it. It's a symptom. It tells me something about your life. Oh, sometimes it's just a habit that we just say, whatever. But it's just it's a flipping kind of attitude. Yeah, whatever. Right? We don't care. It's indifference. It's a it's a a word that only opens up the behavior and the heart to follow along with it. Amen. Here are the symptoms of indifference. Three major ones that I see: settling for less, being closed-minded, and apathy. Settling for less. Whatever, it, you know, it, it's not the best, but it's the best, I guess, I, I feel like doing right now. Marriage, family, could be better. Yeah, I could have a better relationship. I could be spending more time, but, you know, whatever. I don't really care. It's, not, it's something that I'll just settle for this. Being closed-minded. I don't want to change. I'm not going to change. There's no hope anyways. It won't make any difference. Or apathy. Apathy is just that highest area Of indifference. It means a total or near total lack of interest or concern about something or someone. Apathy drains our passions. It depletes our excitement. It dulls our concern. And I pray that not one of these three symptoms is next to your name. If it is, if they are, then this is a a sign to say, wake up these next 30 days. Are going to be life-changing. These next 30 days, God's going to work on our hearts. Here's what I learned. One of the main things I've learned about indifference, one of the biggest lessons I've learned, indifference can't feel. And the reason why indifference can't feel, listen very carefully, the reason why indifference can't feel is because indifference doesn't care. And what you don't care about, you can't feel. And God can't use people who don't care. God can't use people who are not moved by somebody else's plight, by somebody else's situation. Amen. Where compassion or love can't rise up. God can't use you. God can't bring you to the place where he wants to. God uses people who feel. I know it hurts to feel. Let me tell you something. It would be bad for you to wake up in the hospital and your legs were in excruciating pain. Wouldn't that be bad? But how many know it would be worse if you woke up in that same hospital and you didn't feel your legs? The fact that you feel your legs means you're alive. The fact that you don't feel your legs means something is either in temporary paralysis or something is dead, right? The fact that you feel offended, the fact that you feel hurt, the fact that you feel overwhelmed, the fact that you are mad means you're alive. If you didn't hurt, that would tell me something much worse. If you weren't tempted to be offended, that would tell me something much worse. If you didn't have your feelings on your sleeve and you were not in that place as a parent, as a mom, as a dad, as a husband or a wife, as a sibling, as a friend, the fact that I hurt, the fact that I get um, tempted to be offended means Jonathan Del Turco is alive. If I didn't get hurt, if I was not in that place where feelings did not take over sometimes or try to, that would mean I am much worse off than I ever thought I was. If you don't care about your wife's broken heart, if you don't care the fact that your children are alone, if you don't care that your friend is in that painful, dark place, man, that speaks more about you than it does why they got in that dark place amen indifference indifference not caring i don't care about you i don't care that you're feeling this way i get it why we don't care sometimes because when we cared it hurt so much that we turned it off and we died and we got to come alive again and that's the risk of coming alive that's the risk of living life like you never lived before i make that risk every time every time i help someone step out counsel someone and my emotions are on my sleeve I don't know any other way to do this pastoring thing unless my heart is on my sleeve. Have I been hurt? I've been hurt by the best, by the professionals. And I've been in deep places of big pain. And I had to get a hold of myself that if I want to do this thing at a high level of fruitfulness, a high level of joy and fulfillment, that I had to get over it. I had to work on me. In 42 years of ministry, you know what I've worked on the most? Me. Not you. I've worked on me the most. My attitude. My pride. My oversensitivity. My this, my that. You kidding me? Dear Lord, have I been working on me. And you should be glad I'm working on me because you get the better version of me. that'll never stop. Amen. Indifference can't feel because indifference doesn't care. Wow. The good news is, let's wrap this up. God can change your life. God can change that hard heart. Yes, He can. He tells us here in Ezekiel chapter 11, this is such a great verse of scripture. In verse 19, it says, and I will give them One heart, a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within them. And I will take the stony, unnatural, hardened heart, like many of you have. I've had it in my past. A heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. Listen, sensitive and responsive to the touch of their God. I want that kind of heart for you. God wants that kind of heart for you. A heart that's sensitive and responsive. Are you sensitive and responsive or are you just whatever? God wants you to be sensitive and responsive to His tap on your shoulder when He says, take care of that. Love them. Give that. Bless them. Write this. Help them. I want to be responsive. I want to be so sensitive I say, yes, Lord. I don't want to say, I don't like how they look. (laughs) Right? They don't look like they need anything to me. They're all dressed up and looking good. They don't need that. And I... Become the judge and jury. I want to make sure that my heart stays tender. How many times have I told my story about judging the man on the side of the road begging for some money? I've told you my story more than once. And the reason why I very seldom ever pass one is not for them. It's for me. Because I've been the biggest judge. Judge and jury. You look healthier than me. I bet you're driving a Lexus around the corner. You probably live in a bigger house than I do. I hate to admit that that was my attitude, and don't look at me so spiritual. (laughs) Right? It's It's a way for me to not be the judge and jury. It's the way for me to keep my heart tender. What he or she does with that, it's not my problem. My problem is to keep Jonathan on the straight and narrow keep his heart tender, keep his heart soft. Hey Amen, that's my job. And I will do whatever I have to do. If it's the last $20 bill I have, I've had to do it. It wasn't happy. I wasn't happy about it. I, and they, 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 they wanted to grab it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to let this thing go. But the fact that I hesitated was all the more important for me to, what is it? It's no big deal. My heart is more important than that $20 bill. You get my point. What is it for you? What is it for you? How do you need to keep your heart tender? What's it for you to be responsive? What is it for you that you got to let go of? What has changed you? Who has changed you? What circumstances has changed you? You are not who we knew you were once upon a time. We, you are not this way. You are not so snippy and critical and cynical. You weren't born this way. That's not you. You're a loving, giving nature. You care about people. You're fiery. You're a good person. Who turned you into a cynical, old, mean person before your time? That's not who God made you to be. Who has made you that way? And now you you need to stand up and say, I'm done not being the real me. I'm done being this critical, cynical person that nobody wants to be around. I'm done. I want to be who God made me to be. I want to be the gift that God made me to be. I don't want to be a whiner, loser. I don't want to be walking around with a loser's limp the rest of my life because I couldn't face the fact that my life needed to change. can't tell you how many people I meet. And I knew after talking to them just for a few minutes, I realized, I don't know this real person. This is not the real them. Circumstances made this person this way. A broken heart made this person this way. Guilt and shame made this person this way. This is not the gift that God made them to be. This series, my goal, is to bring you back to life. That's God's goal. I want to know the real you. I want your family to be reintroduced to the real you and not what that person or those circumstances turned you into, my Lord. Hmm. I didn't say that in the other two services. Wow. I could almost cry right now. Thank you, Lord. Final decision number four, turn your someday into today. God did not design you to sit around and let pa- life pass you by. We live our life way too safe. USA Today did a poll of 80 and 90-year-olds. They had more of their life that was behind them that what now was ahead of them to live. Ask a simple question. What would you do different about your life? By far, they said, we would have taken more risks. We lived our lives too safe. We live our lives too safe. We all need to be willing to face and own this reality about life. Life is too short, and one day it will end as we know it. Don't allow your favorite day of the week to be someday. Someday I'll get help. Someday I'll go to counseling. Someday I'll spend more time with my son. Someday I'll love my family as they need me to. Someday I'll get back to church. Someday I'll use my gift. Someday I'll finally start tithing. Someday I'll make it right. Someday I'll go back to school. Someday. 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 And before you know it, it's your last day on earth. Someday it needs to be today. That's the story of this series. Is don't live in someday land. Live in the now. Make your decisions now. Love now. Give flowers now. Give your accolades and your honor and your love words and and all those things. Do them now. Do them now. And I pray that those of you that have been apart from family and friends, that the Spirit of God will put something in your heart that you really, for the first time, begin to miss them. Begin to miss them. There's just something about when parents and children are at odds. It's sad. It's very painful. I get it. I get it. The Bible says to honor your father and your mother. And when you do, it'll be well with you. And you'll live a long life. I'm not saying mom and dad have to be perfect. I'm not saying you got to go over for lunch every Sunday afternoon. I'm not saying, you know, you got to be there all, those, all the holidays. I'm not suggesting any of that. that. That's between you and them. But you can still honor from afar. You can still honor in your heart. Is it well with you? if it's not well with you, if you can look at your life and and not check out, it's not well. That's not well. That's not well. That's not well. Maybe it's time to start honoring your mother and your father. Not because they're perfect. Because the Bible says so. Because God says it. Because God says it. Again, I didn't say this in the first two services. But some reason, it's in my heart so deeply in this third service today. Oh my goodness. That there's something about Mom and dad, I, I know, in reality, they don't really deserve in the natural your honor for what happened to you. I really do understand that. But the fact remains is it's not about that now anymore. Now it's about your quality of life. It's, it is unfortunate that the relationship has been busted. It is unfortunate you might not ever be as close as you once could be that could be a reality. But the fact remains is the truth is still the truth. It's got to be about your life now, about your quality, about God's plan for you, about your future, about your future ability to love someone else, to love others, to be free enough to walk in God's highest and best. My, my. Proverbs 28, 13 says, A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But if he confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. God wants to give you another chance. Maybe that first part of your dash hasn't been super good, but you have another part of your dash you can live. And it's time now to draw the line in the sand and say, I want another chance. Maybe you failed in that first family, but you need another chance. Maybe you failed in that relationship, but God wants to give you another chance. A chance to either have that one restored or that's over and gone. And the ability to start fresh all over again. But you see, it takes a humble heart to say, you know what? I've been too stubborn. I've been too proud. I took this too far. I made a mountain out of a molehill." I should have gone there. And now i got other people on my side. Now we're picking sides. And now it's a big battle. Should have never gone that way before. Never should have been there. Only if we'll be able to admit can God finally say, it's done now. Move on. But a man who refuses to admit his mistakes, a woman who refuses to admit her mistakes, can never be successful. But if we'll be open to God, the good news is God will give you a second chance. There's no reason that the next part of your race, can be so much better than the first part of your race. There's no reason why God can't restore and God can't give you a second chance. And we can do this again. God loves giving second chances. God loves helping people start over again. Absolutely. God can do that and he'll do it for you. And I pray as we start this series that you have a great urgency to live these next 30 days like you've never lived before. You have a new fresh urgency to take serious that little dash between your dates. Remember our big takeaway, embracing our time here on earth as a limited resource will help us be more authentic about who we are and more deliberate about how we spent our time. It's not a series about dying or death. It's a series about living and life rich satisfying life Jesus died for you to have it why shouldn't you enjoy it yes come on stand to your feet and give God praise today come on let's don't stop thank you Father thank you Jesus you're an awesome good God today thank you Lord thank you Lord Thank you for being so good and so patient with us. Thank you. We give you praise today. We give you glory and honor today, Lord. Thank you, Father. With those hands raised this morning, the universal sign of surrender. Lord, we surrender to your will. You might be doing great today. Good for you. Everything's healthy, man. You've made, you've done this already. God bless you. Keep it up and help others. But there are many of others that can't say it. And Lord, we lift our hands to you and say, "Help me. Help me live again. Help me start again." Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how helpless you feel. God can do it for you. With our hands raised, we say, Father, thank you. I love you. Tell him you love him today. Ask him to help you today. He'll be the divine orchestrator. I don't know how it'll all work out, but God's a master orchestrator. He'll give you a strategy, He'll open the door. Thank you, Father. I'm tired of being alive but acting dead it's time to live you're here and you say Pastor Jonathan I, I need Jesus I need my sins forgiven I want heaven to be my home I want to be right with God I, I can't make it right with others in, until I first make my heart right with God I want to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to be a follower of Christ. I'm tired of doing this my way, on my terms. I want to surrender my heart today, my life today, to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's no living without Jesus. You're saying, Pastor, pray for me, please. I'm ready to make that very next, very important step to follow Jesus you say pastor I've not done this I don't know him as my Lord and Savior but I want to it's time for new beginnings it's time to start fresh and new I want to know that I know that heaven is my home and I'm right with God and my sins are forgiven if that's you will you raise your hand nice and high today that's me pastor pray for me I'm not going to ask you to come forward I just want to raise it up thank you thank you thank you thank you sir thank you thank you thank you sir thank you ma'am Good for you, God bless you. Thank you, ma'am, thank you. Thank you, ma'am, thank you. Thank you, sir, thank you, ma'am. Thank you, awesome. Who else, raise it up high. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Who else? Yeah, thank you. Good for you. Thank you, sir. That's a real man right there. Thank you, yeah. Thank you, God bless you. Awesome. Who else? You that are joining us online, You're a part of the service today, so please open up your heart to him today. We're so glad you're with us today. Anybody else before I pray? I'm ready. It's time to do this God's way. God bless you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Awesome. I love it. Something wonderful about a man or a woman who will bow their knee and surrender to God. Say, it's not about me. It's been about me, but no more going to be about Jesus now. Wow. Who else? God bless you. Let's all bow our heads and pray this prayer together. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. It's the real me. I need you, Jesus. I believe God raised you from the dead. You're alive and well. Now make me alive. I invite you into my heart. Forgive me from my sins. I declare you as my Lord, my Savior. I will live for you all the days of my life. Thank you for changing me today. Heaven is now my home. Now I'm alive like I've never been alive before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you.